Hashem, I thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, and I thank you that you are faithful. Uh, we do truly, truly love you, Yeshua. You are indeed the one thing that, that our hearts desire. Thank you for your presence here as we worship. Thank you for your presence now as we speak your word. May it penetrate to our heart to bring change into each of our lives. In Yeshua's name, amen. Last week, Rabbi Michael started our new series entitled, Do You Believe This? And uh, in his introduction to this series, he encouraged us that what we believe affects the way that we live our lives, and it also affects what we receive. And he concluded by telling us that we can say we believe, however, it's the acting on our beliefs uh, that really shows if we truly believe what we say we believe. So this morning, my question to you is, do you believe in the authority of the scriptures? Each year as we start the new uh, Torah cycle, I'm always reminded of how the enemy has tried to undermine the word of God, beginning with verse 1, which says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know that all through our school days, we have been taught for years about the theory of evolution as if it were fact. And that theory of evolution undermines the very first verse of the Bible. And if the very first verse of the Bible is not true, then how can the rest of the Bible be true, right? So I see how the enemy has really attacked the scriptures through that one subject that is taught in, in school, I mean theory that is taught. Because listen to me, if we don't believe in the truth of the scriptures, then we can easily dismiss the application of it in our lives justifying our behavior, the behavior of our loved ones that is contrary to the nature and character of God. So this morning, God asked, do you believe that the scriptures are, first of all, the word of God? In other words, divinely inspired. Now, you know, we use a lot of e-books. I have an iPad, which is not opening my documents today, so I had to print out my message. But this book... I was going to bring this even if I used my iPad. This book, the Bible, whether it's a written book or it's your e-book on your iPad or your Nook or whatever, this book is not man-made. Okay? This is divinely inspired. Do you believe that? Because if you do not believe it, then you can easily, again, dismiss what it says. It's not man-made stories of events from the past. It's not a good history book or a book of philosophy. It is God's word to mankind. And we believe that the scriptures are divinely inspired. Kephabet, 2 Peter 1, 20-21 says, First of all, understand this. No prophecy of scripture is to be interpreted by an individual on his own. For never, do you see that? Never has a prophecy come as a result of human willingness? Never. Can you say that with me? Never. That's important. People moved by the Ruach HaKodesh spoke a message from God. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us, 
All scripture. Can you say that with me? All scripture is God-breathed. Yes, even those genealogies that were like, oh, do I have to read this? And it is valuable for teaching the truth, convicting of sin, correcting faults, and training in right living. Even those genealogies, there are nuggets of truth in those genealogies that God always uses to speak to my heart, and as well as just helping us to understand from one generation to the next generation how God desires our faith to be passed on. But what does it mean that we feel that the scriptures are God-breathed or inspired? This is from our doctrine of faith. We understand the inspiration to mean that special act of the Ruach HaKodesh by which he guided the writers of the scriptures, such superintendents influence both their thoughts and their actual choice of words, yet also made full allowance for the divergent backgrounds, abilities, and personality of the writers. Moreover, inspiration applies to all they wrote, and it is found in the canon of scriptures. In other words, what we are saying is that Adonai used these men to write down their words, and he used their personalities and their background. But everything that was written was inspired by God himself, by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Even in the Tanakh, we are encouraged about this. When God gave the Ten Commandments in Shemot 32, 16, it says, These tablets were the work of God. And this writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets of stone. So do you believe the scriptures are divinely inspired? That they are God's word to mankind? Because if you think it's just a good history book, if you think it's just a a book about stories of things that happened in the Jewish people's history, then you will never, ever apply this to your life. You will have that mentality of take it or leave it. Choose the parts you like and ignore the parts you don't. Again, going back to Rabbi Michael's message, your actions will determine if you truly believe that this is God's inspired word. Not just with your mouth, but with the way you live your life. Do you believe it is God's word to mankind? Believing that it's divinely inspired will lead you and me to live our lives differently. So do you believe it's divinely inspired? Secondly, do you believe that the scriptures are reliable? Because we believe that they are God-breathed, we also believe that they are, I'm using some theological words here, but we're going to explain them, that they are inerrant or infallible. That means that they are trustworthy and without error. Again, from our doctrine of faith, we understand infallibility to mean that the scriptures are true and reliable in what they intend to assert. Inerrancy is a near synonym to synonym. I said cinnamon, cinnamon. <laughs> when I was going over this, I kept saying cinnamon, and I knew I was going to say it. It's a synonym to infallibility and has been used more recently to further attest that scripture as recorded in the original manuscripts, the autographs, is without error. Being without error and completely truthful, the scriptures are absolutely trustworthy. In other words, we can trust that what is written down in this word is true. Every single word of it. 
Okay? Now, a lot of people ask about translation because this is inerrancy in terms of the original autographs and manuscripts. We also believe, personally, and in our denomination and things, that the, the major translations, I'm not talking about some little off thing, the major translations of the Bible are, are, are trustworthy. There's so minimum discrepancy between trans, one translation to another. So a lot of people, Rabbi Carol, I don't know the Greek and the Hebrew, so is that going to make a difference? No. Okay? The major translations of the Bible are trustworthy. You can trust them, and they are reliable. Okay? So we can trust that whether it's written in this, in this uh, Bible, in the scriptures, and rely on them that they are trustworthy. Even all the apparent contradictions, and I'm going to show you some things today to help you from a historical and, and archaeological uh, perspective how reliable the word of God is. But the scriptures themselves, we start there, declare that. King David wrote in Shmuel Bet, 2 Samuel 5.28, Now Adonai Elohim, you alone are God, and your words are truth. Your words are truth. Not Rabbi Carroll's words, not Rabbi Michael's words, God's word. The holy scriptures are truth. And you have made this wonderful promise to your servant. In Tehillim, the psalmist says in chapter 119, verse 160, the main thing about your word is that it is true. Understand that? This book is truth. This is why we encourage you to be reading in this book. Now, we're not opposed to other reading. We encourage our leaders to, to read different books throughout the year, both uh, inspirational and practical. But when it's all said and done, this is the book that is truth. This is the book that we need to have our minds and our spirits in, that we need to be reading and meditating upon. Yokanan. Chapter 17, verse 17, Yeshua says, Set them apart for holiness by means of the truth. Your word is truth. Again, proclaiming the truth of God's word. Okay, Rabbi Carol, okay, okay. So the Bible says it's reliable, but that isn't proof enough for me. Again, the good news is there is historical and archaeological evidence that continues to prove the truthfulness and the reliability of the scriptures. And I'm going to share some of them with you this morning and understanding that there is much, much more than what I'm sharing with you. I just picked out some of the major ones that some of you might be familiar with, some newer developments in the last two years as well, uh, to be a little current with archaeological findings. Um, But the first one is the Dead Sea Scrolls. Anyone ever hear of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Right, of course. So they were found in 1947, and they're still being, you know, deciphered and thing, etc. So why are they uh, important? Because in and of themselves, they're one of the main, or they're a big uh, archaeological evidence to prove the infallibility and reliability of the scriptures that we have in our hands today. So I'm reading from some articles that describe these different artifacts uh, people who are scholars who have examined them and have written about them. So this article discusses the Dead Sea Scrolls and it says, for example, prior to the discovery of the Dead Sea Scroll manuscripts in 1947, the old, oldest existing 
uh, Old Testament manuscript was the Masoretic text. That's the Hebrew text that our Bible is based on. Most translations of the Tanakh are based on the Masoretic text. So, and that was dated to around 900 CE. But with the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, fragments of almost every book in the Tanakh were found, many of them dating back to around 150 BCE. So do you understand that's 1,000 years earlier than what we had before we found this Dead Sea Scrolls? And now one of the most amazing things, and if you've been to the Shrine of the Book in Israel, you will see this, is the copies of the Book of Isaiah. The Book of Isaiah was found in almost its entirety, okay? And so it's 1,000 years earlier than 900 CE. And what they found by looking at that manuscript of the Book of Isaiah and comparing it with the Masoretic text from 900 CE, almost 1,000 years later, there was... It's 95% the exact same words. And the 5% difference was a spelling you know, error. Again, remember these were written by hand from scribe to scribe. So that 5% was nothing major. It wasn't theological or uh, doctrinal or historical. It was just spelling or a misslip. How, how cool is that, right? So that we have from 1,000 years earlier, a manuscript that is word for word the same as what we had. That shows us, again, the reliability and the truthfulness of the word of God. This author also described another great find, which are the Ebla tablets. A lot of people may not have heard of that unless you've spoken to my son, (laughs) who talks about history. But the Ebla tablets were found in northern Syria, and why they are important is they contain a record of laws, custom, and events from the same time as Moshe and the patriarchs. And why this is important, because this disproves the hypothesis, which in part claimed that Moses lived uh, before the in, uh, invention of written language and therefore could not have composed the first five books, in other words, the Torah. So Bible critics, before the finding of the Ebla Tablet, said that the Tanakh was written later because writing had not yet developed. But what the Ebla Tablets show us and demonstrate to us is that writing was uh, in existence uh, at the time of Moses and therefore gives uh, credence to the claim that Moses wrote those first five books uh, of the Bible. And that's important because... uh, and those tablets actually show us that written language existed a thousand years before Moses. So see that archaeological evidence that comes against that claim that, oh, Moses couldn't have written it because people didn't write yet. And a few other things that this uh, author shares. He says that archaeology has proven that Israel derives its ancestry from Mesopotamia, like the Bible teaches in Bereshit 11. Uh, it, it suggests that the world's languages likely arose from a common origin, as, again, Bereshit 11. And then Jericho and several other cities mentioned in the Tanakh that previously were thought to be legendary by skeptics have now been discovered by archaeologists. So that's very important because oftentimes people will say that, you know, a lot of those things that are written in the scriptures are made up. We have no archaeological, historical uh, evidence for these things. But one by one... I can tell you every archaeological evidence that has been found in the Middle East, not one thing has discredited 
the, the Bible. In fact, all that they have done is confirm that what the Bible says is accurate. So, just want to share, he concluded this article quoting Nelson Gluck, who is a scholar who specialized in ancient documents, and this is what he said, it can be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. Very, very important. I said that, but this is a scholar who looks at all these documents, and he can say, never has an archaeological evidence discredited the word of God. I want to share some other interesting, not as well-known archaeological finds. One is from Tel Dan, the Tel Dan inscription. So this was found uh, in 1993, and on the, the inscription, which it's hard to see from there, but it says Beit David. So there's no vowels, but it has the Bet, the Vav, the Tav, and Dalad, Vav, Dalad, right? So Beit David is the house of David. Now, a lot of people did not think that the house of David in Shlomo existed. Uh, and why is this important? Because this is dated to the exact time of David in Shlomo. It's dated to around 733-722 BCE. And how do they know that? Because on top of this is a layer of ash, which is the, an archaeologist's dream layer because a layer of ash, when the city was destroyed, that they could date, means that anything below that layer has to be prior to that. And what they found in the layer before was pottery that dated to 722, 733, the same time uh, as this inscription. And again, talking about the house of David proves that this, this king did exist at the time that the Bible uh, points out. This next one is the uh, Ket of Hinnom scrolls. And uh, these were scrolls that were found in a burial cave uh, at Ket of Hinnom, which is just southwest of Jerusalem. And, and what is interesting about these uh, scrolls is that they were um, silver scrolls rolled up. So it took them three years to unroll. And when they unrolled it, uh, it was only like three inches, but because it was metal, it was hard to unroll, and obviously you have to be very careful with archaeological evidence. And when they finished, they noticed uh, on the scroll there was this delicately etched characters, and those characters were the tetragram, the personal name of God, uh, the yud heh vav heh And why is this important to us? Because, again, confirms the worship of the one true God, and after much work, they were able to read the entire scroll. And on this little three-inch silver scroll was the Aaronic Benediction, right? From Bobby Bar number okay, six. And then the smaller scroll, so the three-inch was the first one, and the second was even smaller than that. And it also contained the benediction from uh, number six. So these scrolls are not as uh, well-known as like the Dead Sea Scrolls, but they're the earliest known citation of biblical text in Hebrew. And they're housed in the Israel Museum in Jerusalem. So again, proving you know, the uh, reliability and truthfulness of the, of the scriptures. I want to share a couple of discoveries from 2017. Again, there's so much there, and I could encourage you. You want evidence that the scriptures are, 
are, are real. Just look to history, look to archaeology. Uh, the fact that we have so many, when you come to the New Covenant, which is another whole area that I didn't even think to put in here, we have so many manuscripts of the New Covenant that are so close to the time of the events that took place in comparison to manuscripts of other uh, Greek doc- documents like the Iliad and Odyssey and things that people take as uh, you know, authoritative in terms of their genre of writing. The New Covenant has so many more manuscripts that are closer to that time period that, again, show the truthfulness and reliability in those manuscripts are the same. And they, again, speak to us of how we can rely upon the Word of God. But a couple of discoveries from 2017. One is Merneptah's destruction of Gezer. And this is uh, the Egyptian uh, pharaoh who describes, and in the Cairo Museum there is a description that states that Gezer has been captured, uh, Yenoam is made non-existent, Israel is laid waste, and his seed is no longer. And they could not find proof of this, but by digging there at uh, Gezer, Tel Gezer, uh, this dig finished in 2017, excuse me, it was wrapped up in 2017, and they were able to uh, confirm the different occupation and destruction of this city. We all know where the tell is. It's layer upon layer. And they saw the destruction around the same time as the Egyptian pharaoh described how he came and destroyed Gezer. Now, this next one is the Timna copper mine, which is dated to the time of David and Solomon. Another thing about King David and King Solomon that a lot of people uh, who are skeptic of the Bible say that they were not as established uh, as kings, and they did not have as extensive a rule as the Bible gives the impression. So here at Timnah, they found 3,000-year-old donkey dung. Can you believe that? 3,000 years old. I don't know who dated it, but, but they took this dung and they examined it, and they found that its diet would have come from the area of Jerusalem. Now, why is that important? Because it shows that David and Solomon's rule extended farther than what some historians had thought before. But similar to what the Bible says, that said that they ruled the whole kingdom. So this 3,000-year-old poop basically confirms, really, the existence of the kingdom of David. So, again, uh, exciting. And then from this year, October 2018, you could find this in, the, in Bar Bibliarch- Biblical Archaeology Review. Uh, for the first time, archaeologists have unearthed a second temple period stone inscription that spells the name Jerusalem as Yerushalayim, as it's spelled in the Hebrew Bible. And this is the first time they found it spelled like that, and this is dated from the first century uh, BCE. So uh, important confirmation of what is in the Bible has been found through archaeology. A couple of historical references. Looking to the New Covenant time, the first is the Roman... Oh, right before that, yeah. I'm sorry this is a little uh, blurry for you, but let me just go through this chart quickly. Because a lot of uh, historians 
have criticized the reliability and the truthfulness of the scripture. So this uh, article that I read put together some of them. Again, this is not extensive, but some that people thought were not accurate, that archaeology has proven to be accurate. So the first one, which I already talked about, is that Moses could not have written the Torah because he lived before the invention of writing. But those uh, Ebla tablets from northern Syria confirmed that writing existed a thousand years before Moshe. Abraham's home city of Ur did not exist. Ur was discovered archaeologically. And one of the columns has the inscription Avram on it. Coincident? Um, the city built of solid rock called uh, Petra does not exist. Petra was discovered. The story of the fall of Jericho is a myth. The city never existed. Again, these are some older archaeological finds. The city was found and excavated, and it was found that the walls uh, tumbled in the exact manner described by the biblical narrative. The Hittites did not exist. Ask my son about the Hittites. He'll keep you for an hour, right? There's a lot of references to the Hittites in the scriptures, and for years, scholars, historians thought they did not exist. However, there are hundreds of references to the civilization that has been found, and you can even get a a doctorate from the University of Chicago in Hittite, whatever. (laughs) Another thing, the last one on this list, and again, this is not exhaustive, but it says that Belshazzar was not a real king of Babylon because he's not found in in the records. But tablets of Babylonian have been found that describe this, this co-regent and son of Nabonidus. And Josiah can explain all of that to you. There were two of them who ruled at the same time. And one was more uh, prominent in Babylonian literature, uh, but their records prove that both of them are there. Again, the scriptures is good enough for me, but in case they're not for you, here is archaeological evidence that shows that the scriptures are true, and there's much more there. Now, a couple of historians from the time of Yeshua, and we'll conclude this section here. The first is a Roman, uh, Roman historian, and he is reporting on Emperor Nero's decision to blame the believers for the fire that destroyed Rome. And this is the historian Tacitus, and he wrote, Nero uh, fastened the guilt on the class hated for their abomination called believers, he used the word Christian, I messianized it, by the, the populace, uh, Christus, from whom the name had its origin. Christus is the Greek for right? So they are named after this Christus person. They suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius. The Christus did. Uh, uh, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of Pontius Pilate. Hello? Who is priestless that suffered at the hands of Pontius Pilate? It's Yeshua. So here's this Roman historian talking about this uh, during the time of Nero, which is getting around 64 AD. And he's met in a, a mosque. Mischievous superstitions thus checked for the moment again broke out not only in Judea, but the first source of the evil, but even in Rome. So, this historian is referring to Yeshua and his death at the hand of Pontius Pilate. And confirmation that what is written in that covenant took place. 
Now, we, most of us are familiar with Josephus. He's a Jewish historian from the first century. It's twice he mentions Yeshua. Uh, the less revealing reference describes the condemnation of one James, Yaakov, by the Jews of Sanhedrin. And this James, Josephus, was the brother of Yeshua's so-called Messiah. So did Yeshua exist? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And then the second reference is a little more relevant of a portion declares that about this time there lived Yeshua, a wise man, and indeed one ought to call him a man, for he brought surprising feet. He was the Messiah. When Pilate condemned him to be crucified, those who had come to love him did not give up their affection for him. On the third day he appeared restored to life for him, and the tribe of believers has not disappeared. Now, I'm going to just share with you that there is some uh, controversy about how much of this is or, uh, original to Josephus. Uh, they think that some of it has been edited a little later uh, by believers, the last part. But the part that there was a man named Yeshua is definitely uh, accredited to Josephus and accredited to the Pontius Pilate part. So once again, confirming the existence of Yeshua as recorded for us in this Bible. So is this Bible trustworthy? Is it true? Yes. I say that because God says it, but history and archaeology confirms the trustfulness of the events and the traces and people's names written in this Bible. And there's so much more evidence that you could find. And then I encourage you uh, to just go do a little search. Biblical archaeology review is a pretty common place that you could go and find the information. Yeshiahu Isaiah 40 verse 8 tells us the great scribes of the flowerways will fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Because it is truth. No book has withstood the test of God like the Bible stood because it is God's word because it is truthful, it's reliable. So if that is the case, this leads me to my last point. If you believe that it's God's word to mankind, and if you believe that it is inerrant, that it's reliable, then do you believe this? Do you believe that the scriptures are to govern your life as a believer? 